And we're back with another episode of the 2.1 cast. I've just spent 10 minutes trying to work out how to start this podcast in a different way since I got an absolute slagger off my girlfriend last week for saying the same thing for the last 90 odd episodes, which is hello and welcome. What, what listeners don't realise is half time you're never actually here. James and I just play like an auto record of you. Yeah, I'm just like. What were you guys doing? I just mean James talking for 10 minutes. I'm just, I'm just the buffer in between the statos. Yeah, we've, um, we've got a wee Neil Murray soundboard on the go. Yeah, and the thing is, we've got a hologram now if we do want to make this a Facebook Live, so we're sorted. Uh, yeah, welcome back to another episode. Stefan, James, how are you doing? I'm good, mate. How are you? You're good. Yeah. I made the, sorry, jumping back in, no, I made sorry. the biggest Twitter fury. Uh, you know how you guys like to make fun of me for winding people up on I Twitter? I mean, there's been I, a few today and I'm a bit like, oh, was, it, was this you wading in in the refereeing debacle? Oh so, like, I got to work on Monday and I was like, do you know what, I'm going to mend, I'm going to build a few bridges in Scottish football. And the whole Hugh, da- Hugh Dallas, <laughs> no, the, <laughs> the whole Dallas situation with the four penalties, I watched them all and I was like, do you know what, people going way over the top, I know this isn't even, this isn't even what Tom did his podcast, basically, no, we're not. basically, I put a tweet out saying, do you know what, Dallas is only at fault for one of those penalties, because uh, I think I said, the first one was a penalty, second one, Defoe dives, but it's within, you know, within the margin of error, third one was a linesman, and the fourth one was the terrible call I said. And instead of what I thought would be most neutrals being like, like fair enough, and then even Rangers fans being like, fair enough, and maybe a few Celtic fans get angry, I had like literally 60 Rangers fans foaming them out, mm. screaming at me for saying the fourth one was a horrible decision and that Defoe died. I had some guy giving me grief saying, how dare you say Defoe died? He's done so much charity work and he's such a better person than you. <laughs> yeah, I know. And then also someone said... As if footballers died based on their morality. I, I know. I was gonna say, my favourite one as well was when someone decided to say you were a St Mirren fan. So I know you've been called, you've been called uh, fans of both sides of the old firm, but being a St Mirren fan, that's a, that's a new one. So yeah, I, I quite enjoyed that. But I mean, as soon as I saw your tweet, I was just like, I mean, this is going to be my mm. feed all day with more replies yeah. from you replying to people. Stop trying to drag us in down with you like we do not associate um, with this man I feel like they change the password on the two but one account actually. Uh, but no it was quite enjoyable I mean we don't even tweet at the two but one account I know, I know that's the kind of cool thing to do isn't it yeah it's not the real too busy uh, yeah today rather than focusing on referees since we did that a couple of weeks ago and uh, we tried to stick up for referees but it seems like it's kind of pointless at this point they're not helping uh, themselves I mean yeah I mean what, what can you really say uh I think we're, we're, we're going to focus this week more on uh, the transfer windows now shut. We've been kind of playing with the idea of doing something like this for the last couple of episodes, but I think this is probably the best time given that now the window's actually shut. Uh, we're going to look at the best signings or the most notable signings uh, of the window. This is just premiership clubs, of course. Um, sorry, Dundee United fans. I know you tried really hard to get a mention since <laughs> you signed so many people, but uh, we're going to focus on premiership. Uh, I mean, a lot of business done, uh, definitely a couple of interesting signings um, in the top flight. So, does anybody want to jump in with any signings that caught their eye? I'll, I'll start off with uh, Ryan Gold. Mm-hmm. Ooh, um, interesting. So, obviously, you know, he, um, he's joined Hibs on loan for the rest of the season from Sporting Lisbon. Uh, he sort of, you know, I think he dropped off a lot of people's radars after he moved on from Dundee United. Um, you know, he's had a couple of sort of loan spells in Portugal for sort of lower end, uh, first division sides, top end, second division sides. He's actually played more than I th- thought he had. He, he, he's, he's had the odd season here and there, 
where he's not really played much at all, but he's had other seasons where he's played virtually every game. Um, and, I mean, he's not had the best of times in Portugal, I think it's fair enough to say. But, I don't know, when he signed back for Hibs, I started looking over some of the videos of him when he was at Dundee United, and I'd kind of forgotten just how good he was, because he was absolutely brilliant then. You just think if, if even like half of that player is still in there, like which you've got to think, like surely to God he's not just like... I, I, don't, I doubt he's gotten worse, you know. Like I reckon he's probably you know that raw talent's still there, and hopefully he's sort of picked up a wee bit, um, like tactically yeah. and matured a little bit in that sort of sense. But mm-hmm. in terms of like the raw ingredients, in terms of like you know his close control, his balance, his dribbling, his eye for a pass, his shoot, even his shooting, like he scored a couple of absolute screamers. Like I think he's someone that I've always had a wee bit of a soft spot for, and I'm just so glad to see him back in Scotland, and I'd love to see him do well for Hibs because like he's one of these players. That, like, I mean, he's the most talented young Scottish footballer that I can remember. Like, I just think of someone bursting onto the scene and just looking like, oh my God, this guy can yeah. go as high as he wants, you know. Oh, and obviously, it's not really worked out. You know, he's had like, a, he's been away for like five years now, I think, something like that. But to see, I'd just, I'd love so much for him to come back and just tear up. I, I mean, think it'd be brilliant. I mean, you're right, the hype was was real at the time, like the Scottish Messi and all that. And Yeah, that stuff I, doesn't help. Does no, it? it doesn't. I think a, lo- I think a lot of us thought... Um, that Lisbon was a good place for him. They have a good record with their youth teams, and we thought it would be one of those good, good, good moves for him. I mean, it's a huge move for anybody that age, no matter where you go to go abroad and on the continent. But and obviously a big club that sports in Lisbon, it's not worked out. But what I was going to ask you was, do you think looking at the Premiership clubs, um, maybe similar clubs to Hibs in terms of resources and what their aims are uh, season on season? Do you think this is a good move for him? Do you think do you see him fitting in that side? Is this probably the best club? in the Premiership for him? I mean, it's hard to say now that Lennon's gone. I mean, well, this is ours, isn't it? You know, it depends who they bring in. If they bring in someone, you know, up to defensive, likes to play a 4-4-2 every week, then absolutely not. What but height is it? Because if he's under a certain height, Gordon Strachan becomes manager and we could be in trouble. <laughs> I think he's about like 5'8", 5'9". Yeah, that's not going to cut it. But I mean, he's, still, he's only 23. That's, like, that, is, that is mental. You know, which yeah. is crazy. Like, you know, he's still got... I I was 23. Like, <laughs> he's still got the majority of his career ahead of him. Like, you know, and he's, he's still certainly able to write him off. Um, and, yeah, I think I'd love to see him flourish. I think he plays best probably as a sort of number 10. Um, obviously, he's still, got that, he's still very lightweight in terms of his physical build. So, you know, there might be issues with him coming up against a team like, you know, Motherwell or Levy or you know, someone that's going to really stick the boot in. But having said that, he's done it before. And, yeah, I, I would absolutely love it to see him do, do it again. And... Well, I don't think he's ever going to bring him into the team at Sporting Lisbon, so I think at some point he's going to have to leave. Um, I think he's still on the contract there for another couple of years, so I mean, it might not happen immediately because I imagine St. Mirren probably won't. Uh, sorry, Sporting Lisbon. <laughs> it's not St. Mirren. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine they wouldn't want them to leave for nothing given that they spent some money on him when he first moved, like three or four million. Do you know what? I'd actually be a wee bit surprised because I'm kind of led to believe that what was holding up his move to Hibs because, like, the Hibs fans were waiting for a good week for him to sign, and apparently mm. it's because Hibs and Sporting were like sat, or at least on the Sporting side, they were really dragging their heels over the specific details of the loan. So that might mean, like you said, they're tying up every loose hole, or they might be like, they're, they're very specifically trying to nail down terms for him to move. So he might move. But um, 
My response to that would be, I thought this was a podcast based on stats and facts, <laughs> not just sheer romanticism uh, and your, your da uh, reminiscent. No, I mean, I, 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 I was quite excited when Gold did sign for his, but unfortunately, I think this is almost like history repeating for him in the sense that he actually moved out sporting and a change in manager almost as soon as he'd got into the team was exactly why... Because basically he was in the first team, a new manager came in and he was dumped to reserves, as far as I can remember his situation at Sporting. And now this is basically just happened again at Hibs where a manager's brought him in and he's left and now we don't know if this new manager's going to bring him in. Is the caretaker, who's his face, Eddie May certainly didn't play him in the last couple of games. So I don't know. I think he'd have to really, really do something special to hit the ground running and do something between now and May because unless this manager comes in, the next guy who comes in, really likes him and decides to play him, then I'm not sure who's meant to make make too much of an impression. And in a Hibs team that's fallen apart as well, it's probably worth saying. It's not as if he's like joining Aberdeen and he's got like a relatively solid foundation around him. It's, I mean, to be an attacking midfielder in that Hibs team is just to be one of a number of headless chickens, in my opinion, this season, you know, but... So yeah, that's my thoughts. <laughs> Boo! Fuck <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. you, James. <laughs> so, so, but, 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 so do you think that even... Because I've actually um, heard a few... I think it's Dara Broadfoot makes this point a lot when he was in sports and they talk about it, like saying that, yeah, Gold's still only 23, but he's, he's, the, the years that he's missed are like the crucial ones for making those strides in your development. And he's but, only really played like one full season I think since he moved there perhaps or maybe two but in terms of like actual game time year to year but but so I don't know I mean I'm not I don't know why I'm being so harsh on the guy I don't really know I've got nothing against him so I hope I hope he does do well obviously mm-hmm. but um, yeah okay cool well I'm going to stick with Hibs then and go for Gail Bigramana because um, I think it's a bit of a wild card and I kind of preface the start of this podcast with not necessarily the best signings, but notable signings, and this is purely for my own agenda because this could end up being a total crapper of a signing, but it also has the potential to be a great so, signing. So I wrote something at the start of the season because I actually thought um, he, Bigger and Mara looked pretty decent for Motherwell at one point. It, it, they started that season in de- decent form. It was kind of stuttering, and they seemed to have kind of turned the corner to a certain extent at the moment, but they were stuttering and this, uh, for a large part of the season. But... He was kind of standing out and he looks like he'd finally found his feet in Scotland um, and proven that he was kind of tidy on the ball. He's able to pick a pass, whether that's just kind of making sure they're accurate and short. He's really good at picking a long pass as well. Um, He's creative. He was, at that point, one of their best kind of assist makers as well. Um, But I think he could be a good fit in this side. Um, And for Hibs, something that maybe they they maybe lack a bit of composure in the middle of the park. Um, He also offers that kind of decent set piece as well not maybe like a Malin who would score from it but more uh, as a kind of delivery uh, for someone to get on the end of which um, Hibs have certainly got aerial threats from the back so that could be something else but I do think um, he could maybe add a bit of balance to the midfield it does seem like you say Stefan is that maybe our, maybe headless chickens is, is slightly harsh but it does seem a bit all over the place and that's maybe to still be expected I, maybe we were premature early in the season or I certainly was when I thought that Lennon had kind of skipped over losing those three players and McGee, McGinn and, and Allen and rebuilt this midfield and it looked like he had very briefly and then it kind of obviously came to fruition that, that he hadn't and that's, there's no shame in that, he lost three three excellent players so yeah I think he could potentially add a bit of balance and um, 
not to slag off Motherwell too much, but I think he is a better fit in this Hibs team than he would be in the Motherwell team. Motherwell, who, um, although he would be good at playing long balls and uh, they are a hugely physical side, he's maybe a little bit more slight in stature. He maybe fits into a Hibs team that, um, obviously, again, this is the thing we're saying on the goal that will depend who comes in, though. <laughs> so mm-hmm. they get, I was saying to you, kind of joking, if Stephen Robinson gets the Hibs jobs, that, then uh, I'd retract everything I've just said. But uh, <laughs> if they get somebody who maybe wants to play similarly to what, uh, what Lennon was doing with a kind of attacking philosophy, he, he could be a decent player. Um, and I know he only came off the bench of the weekend, but I thought uh, from what I've seen or what I've heard, Hibs fans say he seems to have been tidy enough and didn't do too much wrong. So I think it's definitely one to watch, uh, whether it's good remains to be seen. But yeah, I think I think he's yeah I think he's an interesting one. I think it'd be interesting to see if he can kind of fit into that Hibs team bearing that Motherwell side. I think. I'm right in saying he was their highest earner at Motherwell and by the end the club were quite happy to let him go so they could right, also okay. spend the money on other things and you probably fit into a Motherwell team where um, you, like you said there's less of an emphasis on being physical because I don't think he is maybe there was this weird interpretation that he was like a sort of midfield battler when he's probably not and mm-hmm. maybe that's maybe he can the first thing that when you were just kind of expressing you know his talents I thought the first player that came to mind was like McGeek yeah. that kind of midfielder who like a metronome yeah a wee mm. bit and in, in, in the sense that he doesn't really stand out as an attacking player or stand out as a defensive player but he kind of sets the pace never loses the ball he kind of just you know helps offer some sort of solidity in the park which something that Hibs are desperately missing right now they just don't really seem to have that and players like Slivka <laughs> or Malin these guys are just far too flaky mm-hmm. and you need someone like Biggie Romana maybe to just kind of show some consistency I was yeah. wondering though about like, do you think you can fit Malin and Big Romana into the same side because they're kind of similar players like in that they're very technical and you know and they're, they both thrive on threading a long pass essentially and like mm-hmm. you know so maybe, maybe he's just there to give Malin a bit up the arse which he probably needs at this point you know because yeah Mal- Malin's a weird one because Lennon seemed to like him maybe it's because he spent money on him he had to justify mm. it but it was undroppable under yeah, Lennon really. and, I, and every Hibs fan I spoke to was just so fed up with him playing mm. week in week out start of the season he was amazing though yeah. Yeah. I think that's the thing though. I think like those absolute smashing long range strikes uh, maybe covered over the crack sometimes and mm-hmm. don't be wrong like when you're winning games and it's all going well and you're scoring like if you've not <clears> had a brilliant performance over the 90 minutes it can be forgiven but there was, I think what you, it's a good point, James. That there wasn't really anybody who like for like could replace him, uh, and I think he was maybe coasting a bit, and he wasn't droppable under Lennon. So even if it's that, even if Malin's still your number one, but you've got bigger amount of there to come on after sixty minutes, or if it's not going well for Malin, or if Malin gets injured, it's it's a good option to have. Um, but I will be. I've been, I think as well. This is definitely his kind of. It's never never for him in Scotland. He didn't really make it at, at Rangers. I actually didn't know he was one of the better played paid players at Motherwell so, and he couldn't hack it there so if, it, if he can't do it here there are no excuses he's been in different teams that play in different ways if he can't do it at Hibs um, it's, it's unlikely you can really say that he's going to be successful in the, in the Scottish Premiership but I suppose I suppose like we, we both we all said there it does depend who comes in as manager mm. uh, when this comes out there might be a manager for all we know apparently this hecking bottom chap uh, which I refuse that's just the nonsense of my name um, uh, one of my favourite responses to one of the tweets responses to the BBC tweet about him possibly being the manager was someone saying sounds like a born again Christian trying not to swear Heck <laughs> <laughs> and bottom yeah <laughs> love it anyway uh, yeah. so my the one that's really stood out for me 
uh, is Malumbu to Kilmarnock. Yeah. Not really for the reasons a lot of people think is the case. We all know Malumbu is a great defensive midfielder. Um, and interestingly enough, I was speaking to a Kilmarnock fan and they actually said to me, we don't really need him anymore because Motherwell in the defensive side, they've kind of moved on. They've got Power, they've got Dicker in there. The team has looked as solid this season, arguably. Actually, it's probably better, actually, than it did last mm-hmm. season with Malumbu. So that kind of defensive role is no longer needed. And it got me wondering, could Malumbu replace Greg Stewart? And oh, really? start looking into the stats behind it. And he's obviously not the same kind of player as Stewart. You know, Stewart's a kind of number 10. He scores goals. He creates very obvious assists and stuff. But... Malumbo's attacking stats are also, they're not as obvious, but they're still quite relevant. And they could kind of come through in a team like Kamonic, where even the slightest attacking inclination really sticks out. Um, I'll give you some stats. For example, uh, last season, he was averaging 0.91 shots per game for Kamonic, 40% then one target. He was averaging about half a through ball per game. He was averaging about half a key pass or a shot assist per game. It's averaging about one touch in the box per game. And obviously I can't really show anyone this who's listening to the podcast, but if you actually look at his heat map uh, through the season at Kilmarnock, uh, he actually looks more like a sort of right-sided attacking fielder. Obviously he's gone back and forth quite a lot, but he, was, he spent as much time like in the opposing half as he did in his own half. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's, he's obviously not going to be a number 10 for Kilmarnock. I'm not really suggesting that, but I think he could slot into <coughs> that midfield instead of Stewart and possibly offer a more attacking route um, than maybe someone else who they had planned before Malumbu came back. Yeah. In that regard, I think he could be actually be quite an important player for them. Um, that, that's really interesting. Like, I'm just, I'm just, I'm thinking of like you know like Kevin Prince Boateng sort of development where mm. he sort of started off as like a sort of holding <laughs> midfielder and someone yeah. was like, right, now do that like thirty yards up the pitch. Yeah. And everyone's sort of like, well, you can't do that. And he's like, oh, I can't. And he just like, he just like, he's, so he presses the ball relentlessly. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> sort of in between the defence and the midfield, mm-hmm. wins it back, and then he's also just capable of driving it. And now you point out, yeah, no, yeah, I can see that with Malumbu. Yeah, I don't know what it would be like. There wouldn't be enough pace in there if it was him, him, Power, and Dicker. But no, you're probably right. And I mean, and, you, and I really don't know if it could work. It's just a thought. But I mean, the goal that against Celtic comes to mind, where he's at the very end of a yeah. counter attack at the end of a game, um, and you know maybe that was just a stand up performance because they were playing Celtic. But I think he could play a role further up the pitch at the very least or again he might just slot into total defensive role in Kilmarnock now between now and the rest of the season just become a more defensive team mm. but I don't know I think there's I think there's more to Malumbu in an attacking sense and if if he is stepping in for Greg Stewart um, Steve Clark could be like well you know what you've got more of an emphasis to go forward you've got more license to go forward to see what you can do Pretty incredible though when you think about it that Malumbu, arguably their best player last season, and Kamara really have missed a step, and like you alluded to, arguably are better this season. Yeah. But more balanced. Obviously, Clark said more time to work with the squad, but Power and Dicker deserve a lot. I think I wrote something last season on Dicker and Malumbu, but Dicker and Power deserve a lot of credit. That's an absolute powerhouse of a midfield, and sometimes it goes unnoticed because they Alan just. Alan Powerhouse. Alan Powerhouse, there you go. <laughs> last name of the podcast, sorted. Um, but yeah, it's just that kind of thing where like. They do. They don't really. I don't know. I just think they deserve a lot of credit. They're not the kind of most yeah. fashionable midfield duo, but a lot of people 
would have thought, well, Malumbu's going, that is going to be a huge loss for Kilmarnock, <laughs> they're really going to miss that, because he was a standout player, and in that Celtic game, for example, and a couple of times played Rangers as well, it was like he had a force field around him that nobody could get near him, he was just so physically imposing and good on the ball, and so for them to lose, lose him, and we're now talking that he might not be able to get in the team, because the thing is, we don't know how fit he is either, this yeah. is the other thing, yeah. so, um, but I mean, that I mean, is very interesting, because technically there's no doubt about it, Stefan, he's, he's good enough to yeah. do I mean, a job. Some other stats that just kind of rang out to me as well is that he didn't average too many dribbles last season. It was only like 3.36 per game, but he he completed 78% of them, you know, um, which means basically, you know, like he's, he's getting past players when he just tried to get past them. Not suggesting he's going to go dazzling runs and things like mm-hmm. that, but in close control, he's quite good at actually skipping past people over like 5, 10 yards maybe. So... I don't know, there might be something there, but uh, I'd, keep, I'd, I'd, keep, I'd keep an eye on that and see, see because, you know, I watched Kilmarnock against Hearts uh, on, God, when was that, Friday? I think it was Friday. Yeah. And that was the first game I watched where I thought, right, they actually look like they're, they, they don't look up to it, and that's because they're missing Brophy. And he's done so much for Kilmarnock this season as a good yeah. goal scorer, but, you know, we talked about in the last podcast about, uh, I kind of showed why I thought he was a great player, but... He's really good at holding the ball up, mm-hmm. and he's really good at bring, making sure he can keep the ball and stuff in the final third. Um, and when they didn't have Brophy to do that, they were just they were just looked completely rudderless. So maybe Morelos, Morelos, maybe Malumbu can offer something like that, mm-hmm. where you know he's just simply an attacking midfielder slash maybe not even a forward, but a midfielder who can just simply hold on the ball. Yeah, fair enough. I think that's a really interesting <laughs> point because I had Malumbu down, but it was purely for the boring reason that. He could slot into what he did last season potentially, but um, can you think outside the box? This is it, man. I mean, me and you're just team your dad. We're not even talking <laughs> the stats. Like, it's a hot in here. Uh, no, uh, what were you thinking, James? You get anybody else you'd like to mention? Um, yeah, there was one that caught my eye, which is I think it was maybe the only transfer of, of the window that actually involved a fee, or at least a significant fee. Vakun Isif Bio joining Celtic. Lovely pronunciation there. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I've been looking into him, and I just I think he looks like a really promising young player. I mean, he's 22 years old now. Um, so he was playing in Slovakia before he joined Celtic, and he managed to get 10 goals in 16 games in the league, mm-hmm. uh, another five in three games in the Slovakian Cup, <clears throat> and then three goals in four Europa League qualifiers. Mm-hmm. So you know he's been having a very good season by all accounts. Um, uh, but I think the most one of the most interesting things about him was that of his ten league goals, like six of them have been headers. Uh, but when you look at him, like okay, he's maybe like six foot, mm-hmm. but he's not like big or strong or anything. Like that he's like quite lean and quite like quite skinny but tall. And I think so. I started watching it. I'm actually going back and watching the headers that he's been scoring, and it's like he's kind of got the you know it's like oh it's all about movement for him. Like you know he's mm-hmm. able to just peel away from his man and he can jump so high. Yep. Like, you know, he looks like, he looks like really dangerous like that. Uh, also, in terms of just like when he's uh, sort of playing on the shoulder of a defender, like, okay, that's probably not going to happen too often at Celtic, at least not domestically. And we've just seen as well, actually, he's not been included in the European squads, so yep. there's that. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I think that, you know, he's... He miss it in potentially two games. Yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I think he's great at playing on the shoulder of the last man and running with the ball, like... There's certainly question marks over his composure. He's got, you know, he has got a habit of sort of, you know, fluffing his lines when it's a one-on-one, okay. like when he's maybe got too much time to think about it. But he's also got an effort spectacular as well. I mean, there's been a few goals he got for 
think there's, there's no team with DAC 1904 something like that um, you know where he just like tear down the wing cut inside and just punt it in from like 30 yards out and it looks like a really promising prospect for them and I, I don't think he'll be he probably won't play loads between now and the end of the season because I think all her work and Tim Way have been signed and they need to play because they need to justify the expense. But possibly next season we might see a bit more of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I think it's just a different type of forward to what Celtic currently have on the books at the moment where Edward excels at sort of holding the ball up and he can, but to be fair, Edward can also run up there as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Biles is the sort of guy, he's more likely to sort of make the, make the, make the run beyond that. And you know, yep. like, he's the guy that somebody like Edward would be picking out yeah. for in the sort of final ball. So no, yeah, I, I think he's, I'd say I don't know if we'll see him too much between now and the end of the season. I hope we do. Mm-hmm. Um, but from certainly from what I've seen of him, looks a really promising young player. I think, he's, I think he's been capped at senior level as well for the Ivory Coast. So, I mean, that doesn't happen. I mean, easily, also, yeah. I mean if injuries keep going the way they are for Celtic, you, you never know how much he may play, to be honest. I mean, uh, I mean if, at the moment, if players don't start coming back, it's one of those things that might be an opportunity for him to kind of seize it. I'm, I've got to be honest, I don't know too much about him, so I'll be quite interested to see how, how he slots in. But um, Yeah, I mean, I think he might just be one for next season almost. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I actually was tempted to stick one of the strikers that Celtic brought in, and I might talk about him later on the show, but I think it's kind of, I think Bio definitely stands out as the obvious plan B because Wea and Burke are quite similar, even probably to Edward to an extent as well, in the way they all kind of play to an extent. But, you know obviously we have to wait and see what he can do but he strikes me as very much more in the kind of traditional Celtic signing where they sign a young player mm-hmm. who's done well on the continent mm-hmm. in a relatively bad quarter league uh, with the with, uh, best intentions there um, and he seems like the kind of player where he can find his feet at Celtic and in a few years obviously move on for quite a lot of money mm-hmm. so um, yeah, I think it could be a, a great sign for Celtic in the long term. Just remains to be seen whether he can get in game time. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I do think he is like a work in progress. Yeah. You know, like, I think you know certain things. Like I think struggling could be a wee bit there and just said composure in front of goal. But certainly, excellent prospect and one to watch. Yeah, and if Rogers is there, that's what Rogers is great at. He really is good at developing and nurturing young talent. So. He's at the right place uh, and under the right manager if they do want to get the best out of him. And he will give him, he'll give him the game time this season or next season if he's good enough. And uh, as an interesting one, I think, as you say, it's kind of getting back to, like you said, Stefan, what, what they do best. How many times have we seen, like Dembele's a good example, sending players young and developing them and then selling them on for like huge transfer fees. So there's nothing to say that couldn't be. Dembele who just scored against PSG as well. I know, exactly. Played really, really well. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. Stefan, yeah. anybody else to add? Yeah, so I've only got one more proper one. I've got, there's a few maybe... Uh, honourable mentions yeah honourable mentions mm-hmm. I'll suggest but and unfortunately it's someone again I mentioned in last week's show uh, Greg Stewart I think I think Greg Stewart's the obvious best deal of the window yeah, yeah I'd agree with that um, I feel like I'm sorry if I nicked that off anyone no I had, I had the obvious it, but... one but I mean you're talking about a potential player of the season in my opinion so far this season um, joining probably the one team besides Kamarnik who could really use him um, before the Aberdeen vs Kilmarnock game which was his wasn't his first game it was obviously his game like his second game for Aberdeen or something maybe second appearance um, I kind of looked into the stats of the BBC and um, what I found was quite interesting was that even though um, Aberdeen were joint third in a division for goals scored um, in the league which you think that makes sense because they're probably about that level they're ninth in the division for final passes into the final third and um, and only St Johnston, St Mirren and Hamilton 
have made fewer passes into the box. Um, you know, they're sixth in division for total shots this season and fifth for touches in the opposing box. So, weirdly, Aberdeen were, and perhaps still are to an extent, because not much has changed since then, um, a team who were maybe, I've not looked at the XG or anything to suggest maybe they were playing, but it seems as though they were just scoring goals without really any build-up play, which makes sense, you think, because Aberdeen are a very direct team. Yeah, yeah. And they've been fortunate in the sense that Cosgrove has just hit this really great run of form where... He's just like this kind of traditional old target man where he just seems to be pulling balls out of the air, scoring them, or, or even just going and runs himself past a few players and scoring them. Um, the other thing that really stands out to me in that regard as well was that you know Koskov is by far and away Aberdeen's only consistent goal scorer. Um, when I wrote this piece, the Koskov was on 11, the next top goal scorer was Lewis Ferguson on 4, and he's a midfielder who's in and out of the team, you know. So I, I think... There's definitely room for Stewart to kind of fit into that Ryan Christie slash Kenny McLean role where, you know, he's a goal-scoring central midfielder who can create shots as well. I mean, we all know what Greg Stewart's like, but no one really stepped into that role after Christie and McLean left. And I think, you know, I would even be crying out for something like that because even though they do have a lot of attacking players, the guys like, I know, uh, actually, did the guy Steven score against Hibs there? I can't remember. Um... Guys like McGinn and Mackay Steven don't really score as many goals as I think they should. McGinn's done really well in terms of assists, to be fair to him, but there aren't enough goal scorers in this team. Uh, and I think Stewart playing that number ten role, if he can do any even half as well, even doing it come on, he's going to be he's going to be such an asset to Aberdeen. Yeah, I kind of just hope for the league's sake he can because it was actually great watching him at Kilmarnock because I, I I've got to be honest, I didn't have very high expectations given his first period at Aberdeen. I just didn't think he impressed at all and. Um, I mean, obviously, a lot of credit goes to Steve Clark, and it's just it'll be interesting to see if McInnes can get the same kind of end products out of him. And I, I think another thing to add there is the fact that they they are desperate for some someone like that, one someone that can create, someone who can score. Because James Wilson seemed like it was going to be this great signing, but it's just really not worked out. Um, they're, they're lucky Sam Cosgrove has found some sort of scoring touch, which against all odds, against and I think I'm enjoying all the Aberdeen fans kind of taking the piss out themselves, like saying. How they're finding tweets of the day signs saying it was amazing. Like they, they were the first to kind of absolutely criticise him. So um, if he, it's, it's amazing though. If he hadn't started finding the kind of Midas touch, then they'd be in quite a bit of trouble because they have they've struggled in the final th- third significantly. So I do think if they can get Stewart to play like he was at Kilmarnock, it'll be a, a huge turning point for them. And it really will be interesting to see if that could be the kind of difference between them really properly challenging for mm-hmm. second place again um, and not. Um, and hopefully, hopefully, I'm not jinxing anybody, but I just can't see Sam Cosgrove keeping this kind of level of scoring up for the rest of the season. Something's got to give, and if it doesn't now, with this curse of this podcast, well, he's injured right now, is he not? Is he? I think so. I don't think he's playing. Or is this you making some sort of mystic prediction from the no, podcast? No, no, no. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's injured for the, uh, the 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 Rangers game, which, to be fair, might have happened by the time some people listen to this episode. So uh, you never know, but. Yeah. No, I think like you're, you're right. I think Greg Stewart at Aberdeen, like obviously it didn't work out last season, but like on paper that is a perfect fit. And you know you've got a team that do struggle in terms of their creativity. They always seem to find a way of scoring, but like you know it's always kind of quite messy goals. I seem to think, but somebody like Greg Stewart is a guy who can who can create something out of nothing. Who you can just sort of hoof the ball up to him and just let him run out the fence and see what happens. Yeah. So yeah, I think as you were saying, you like you know time will tell if you know. McInnes can get 
the same tune that Clark was getting out of him, but if he can, then they're mm-hmm. definitely on to a winner there. I've only got one more I'll add quickly, because I know we're, we're running slightly over them usually, uh, slightly longer sorry, than we usually do. I'm going to say Michael O'Halloran. Um, now, a massively forgettable spell at Rangers, but he had that brief return to St Johnston the second time, not the third time, and he looked pretty good before he got a knee injury, and I think actually we're talking about managers getting the best out of players. Mm-hmm. Tommy Wright and Michael O'Halloran are obviously a proven good fit, uh, and this is St Johnston team who really are uh, on the up this season, look impressive at the back. Uh, I've got Jason Kerr playing really well, Shocknessy, uh, uh, Clark and goals as well. But going forward, I mean, Tony Watt maybe doesn't score as many goals as people like him to be. He works really hard, he brings a lot to that team. Uh, Matty Kennedy's looked really good as well. Um, and I think O'Halloran will give him a bit of width and really could be just something a bit different, uh, which... It's, it's good news for St Johnston fans because they've already looked pretty, pretty decent uh, going forward already. Um, I, I just think um, that's one that is easy to forget given that he's been at the club on and off or in and out so many times. So I think he could be good. Potentially coupling that with Sean Goss. Now, I know a lot of people, um, maybe the jury's out slightly, he's been a bit of a flop at QPR where they expect him to be, to be a, a quite successful player. But I think uh, he wasn't... That, that bad for Rangers at all actually he did it but no. it, 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 when he was on his game he looked quite good and uh, Bigger Amara we talked about his kind of ability from free kicks um, Goss has definitely got that kind of quality final ball in him he looks like he's lacking fitness Tommy Wright said as much but if he can kind of get a, some, some game time um, at Medemic Park I think those could be two very very good signs um, and to be honest looking at St Johnston if they didn't bring in that many players you'd be like fair enough the main thing was getting Jason Curtis in that contract extension that's a good sign in itself but they've brought in some quality and I think that both of them could be, be huge because building on a strong defence and they've added people that can one that can assist and add something to services but two Mel Halloran can is at home at Perth knows the club inside out knows the manager inside out and the manager vice versa knows O'Halloran inside out mm. I, I think that could really be quite a, quite a good fit for St Johnston yeah Cammy Anderson friend of the website and oh yeah said that as much to us on Twitter actually when we oh, asked some opinions he said St Johnston need commended for holding on to Jason Kerr and signing him to a new deal one of the best moves he'd made in the window undoubtedly so just to add to the whole St Johnston thing you're doing there but yeah, on you go, James. I was just going to say, I think O'Halloran, it makes a lot of sense as well, just because Dre Wright is out injured at the moment. He's been. It was a quite a nasty injury as well, wasn't it? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah, and he, he was. Um, he, he, his stats were really good. I think he was on something 0.6 key passes per nine minutes, which is one of the highest rates uh-huh. in the division. And he was always looking like quite dangerous for him, so it's a shame that he's out, but having somebody like Michael Halloran and who can. Him and Matt Kennedy, to be honest, can probably mm-hmm. play on either wing. Uh, they're both kind of similar. They're quite similar players, actually. I think about it. But you know, obviously, like you say, like you, you know, O'Halloran's best work has come in Perth. Like, mm-hmm. um, and I think he's you know a really good player. Like when he's on form, he's a match for anyone in the division, mm-hmm. and I really like seeing him play. And then like Sean Goss as well. Like again, um, from all sorts of Rangers, he seemed like fine, mm-hmm. like not amazing, not terrible, mm-hmm. just yeah, decent. And he's got a free kick on him as well, which. Mm-hmm. St Johnston are probably lacking that a little bit, but a set piece specialist, so, and obviously that probably suits the whole sort of Tommy Wright, let's just get some big guys in the box and swing it in and see what happens mm-hmm. mentality. Oh, St Johnston look good, good this season, like really, really decent. Yeah, uh, yeah, I've been a bit unfair there. But. No, no, I don't even mean that, I just think like, uh, it's, they really have you, to... You're wearing a Tommy Wright shirt. Uh, I am, Tommy <laughs> Wright Hilfiger, um, which is actually his full name. Um, <laughs> Other fashion brands are available, apparently. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I think it's really. We've talked about it before, but for them to kind of 
get rid of some of the older players and really change the squad. They, they, they struggled last season and uh, right again there was obviously talk about has he done as much as he can but he really has kind of transformed that squad and proven that uh, he's got longevity as a manager and there's a reason he's, he's done so well and um, I don't know I just think they, they I really fancy them to be at least top six now after that, that window cue the curse um, <laughs> just before we wrap up have we get any kind of quick fire honourable mentions uh, I think the four will be quite good cool that's it yeah, I wrote an article saying Defoe will be good, so I hope he's good. I've avoided Rangers players after the last p- podcast where it seemed like every player was either a lonely, um, an exchange player. Uh, Bigger Imana was, was former of Rangers. <laughs> Michael Halloran, former of Rangers. <laughs> oh my god! Former of Rangers. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, that is not good, is it? Can't help yourself. It's, it's in the subconscious now. You can't help yourself, man. It's obsessed. Uh, uh, you would say that you're some Two ones I've mentioned I don't think demand a huge amount of time or just obviously Timothy Waits it's Celtic I, just because I think he's done a bit more than Burke so far and you know if he scores like half a dozen goals or a dozen goals and when Celtic have haven't got Griffiths and Edward seems to continuously picking up injuries right now so Burke and Weir have both been filling quite easily but Weir specifically and I was going to really go in on Connor Shaughnessy to Hearts except for the fact that they've now got Berra and Suter back so I don't expect him to be playing as much but mm. it looked like he was going to be a really smart signing he might still play a lot he played three at the back mm. and stuff but I don't think he's going to be as necessary as he was before no, Berra and Suter really seem to just get st- slopped straight in so that's, that's yeah. all I've got to add to that No, I mean I'd, the other ones I'd, was Millennial Shoot the other one I thought was quite decent in the kind of same vein as, as Jason Kerr was uh, Aberdeen keeping Max Lowe at the club as well. Yeah, um, well, losing him then bringing him back. Yeah, uh, sorry, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I think that could be a, a good bit of business as well. Um, so, I Hart similarly uh, got uh, Berra and Suter new contracts during the window as well. So there's that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, it's interesting. They're dead. It was actually quite an interesting window, don't we? Like it wasn't obviously. Lots of cash splashed, but uh, see compared to the Premier League, English Premier League, it was so much more interesting. I think the top one in down south and transfer deadline day was Peter Crouch. I know. I, uh, I was running a live blog from six a.m. to six p.m. <laughs> and I can tell you, nothing happened. The Dundee club signed about half a dozen players each. I think so. Yeah. I was also on a rival running a rival a rival. Yeah, but we started blog. at like four or something. Yeah, like that. we waited till it actually got started. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. L kicked off later on. Yeah, but, I, I was just you know, flooding the live blog with like pictures of like, Connor Salmon holding that. Pizza and stuff, yeah, you know, I just gotta pass the time. That's like. what the people want, though. I mean, the Dundee clubs, they go mental. Just on that note, I think Andrew Nelson <laughs> might, might, be all, might be all right for Dundee. Uh, yeah, he looked yeah. decent in that Hearts game. Since then, not a great time for Dundee, but I think out of all the signings they made, him and Scott Wright could. Uh, could be alright. And I welcome Dundee United's entirely new squad. Love it. I love that. That's see if you're gonna go for it, like just like just buy buy everybody. St. Moon as well on deadline yeah, day yeah. kept they did like three times like, oh, are we done? Oh, yeah. are we done? I was like, and I was pull my hair out in the I know. yeah but uh, I think that's us then uh, and I've also just realised as well I don't know I meant this to you but we're talking about how all my choices are Rangers related Sean Goss also, also. <laughs> yeah, did, did, did you say Goss yeah. it's an absolute disaster isn't it right. anyway uh, we'll leave it on that note so yeah uh, you can catch us an audio boom uh, iTunes where you can rate and leave a comment if you or get something nice to say about the podcast. And also you can listen to us on Spotify as well. Uh, we're going to wrap up there because this place is absolutely sweltering. <laughs> what has happened in the last 20 minutes? This flat is roasting. Yeah, anyway, so we'll catch you next week with another episode of the 2.1 cast. Cheers. <laughs>